As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Hey, welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm so glad that you have joined us. And I just looked at a list, Denise, of everywhere where people are watching Home Group. This home group is all over the planet. Maxine, we have people nearly on every continent who join us for home group every single day. This family is big. Praise the Lord. And we're so glad that you join us. And Jesus is with us. He promised us. If two or three of you will gather in one place, I'll be there. And here we are. We're here. And Jesus is right here. And you're gathered with us. So Jesus is right there. And Lord Jesus, tonight we ask you to help us to open our hearts and we ask you to touch our hearts, whether we're men or women. Give us instruction that will help us to change and to be better. In Jesus' name, amen. But hey guys, last night we talked about the woman with no name that changed history. Wasn't that good last night? That's so good, Rick. It just shows the power that women have if nobody recognizes your name or not. She absolutely saved the world. Well, we're offering a whole series on the regular TV program right now called 10 Powerful Women. It's 10 parts. And in this series, which is also very good for men, we talk about Eve, Noah's wife, Sarah, Jezebel, Bathsheba, Esther, Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of John Mark, and Priscilla, who was a woman preacher. And we're going to answer the question, can women preach? Mm, it's going to be good. But anyway, this series is so, so good. And Denise and I did it together, and we had a blast, didn't we? Denise? We did, Rick. And it comes with a study guide, which we want you to have. And it's free. You know, our ministry gives away a lot of materials. And what a blessing to sow. We believe in sowing and reaping. And it's a blessing to sow these study guides into your life. So you can get all of this by going to renner.org, or you can give us a call. And right now we're also offering a book, which is called All the Women of the Bible. Everything you wanted to know about all the women of the Bible, and it profiles more than 400 women in the Bible. So when you're reading your Bible and you come across a name and you think, who is she? Where'd she come from? Why is she mentioned? What did she do? Well, here it is. You're going to find the answer right here. This is one of those books you're going to keep nearby that you're going to turn to again and again and again. So please order yours now. And I want to tell you too, Denise has a book. Honey, what's the name of your book? Oh, my book is called Who Stole Cinderella? And you say, well, what does that mean? What's that about? Well, girls, you know, when we got married, I know when I got married, I thought I was, I was the princess and I was marrying Prince Charming. Well, wait a minute. Did you? I married Prince Charming. Yeah, I did. And you married a princess. I sure did. Oh, you did. I sure did. But life does come. And sometimes Prince Charming disappears. And sometimes the princess disappears also. And that's why I called it Who Stole Cinderella? And really, it's my story. I'm very vulnerable in this book about my own life, my own mistakes. And unfortunately, you're very vulnerable about me. Not very. Not very. <laughs> <laughs> and what the Bible says, the power, ladies, that we have to build up or tear down our homes. I mean, that is a powerful scripture in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, that we have either power to build up or power 
to tear down. And when I saw that responsibility that we have, like a choice, like, God, I'm either going to be wise or I'm going to be foolish. It's our choice to put in our minds, to put in our hearts, wisdom from God's word so we can make wise choices and build up our house. You know, Denise asked me to write the foreword for that book. And I love my wife with all my heart, but I said, I'm not going to write your foreword if I don't agree with what you wrote. So I wrote it four times. And I was so excited to write the foreword. This is really an awesome book. It's a little anti-culture for the world today, but it's really a great But book. it's not anti-Bible. It's Bible. And it really is the answer that will help you. You know, women today, and not just women, everybody, men, everybody, they're all struggling with what the Bible says. That's why they're struggling. You have to yield to the Bible, and it brings order into your life. And that's why the subtitle says, The Art of Happily Ever After. If you do what the Bible says, it really brings happily ever after into your home. And Rick, I have testimony after testimony of women, of divorces that were stopped, of women who forgave and their husbands or told them that, I respect you, and the men never even heard that from their wives. That's that power that we have, ladies, as, as wives, to build up our homes. And I recommend that book to you. Well, tonight we're going to talk about a woman who really started wrong, mm -hmm. but she ended right. Sarah. Sarah, a woman God radically changed. And we're using our Bible, so please reach for your Bible. The renters believe in the Bible. But we've talked about the fact that women, what they are and what they do with their life depends on what God has done inside their heart. Women are really powerful. They have a lot of influence. But what kind of power and influence they have depends on what's happened in their heart. And I keep referring to Jezebel because Jezebel was really a talented woman. We're going to look at Jezebel tomorrow night, Denise. But Jezebel was really a very talented, gifted woman with a very corrupt heart. I say she was a beautiful, ugly woman. She was beautiful. Everybody talked about how beautiful she was, but she was inwardly so ugly. And she destroyed her husband, destroyed him. She destroyed her sons. She destroyed her nation. And she was so notorious that today nobody names their baby Jezebel. Now let me ask you. If somebody walked up to you and said, I want you to see my new baby, Jezebel, <laughs> I'm afraid I would start laughing. <laughs> Nobody wants to name their baby Jezebel because it's an example of a conniving, manipulative woman. But women can use that same influence to be godly, powerful, delivering, supportive, impacting. Women have so much power. And tonight we're going to look at a woman who started wrong, but she really ended right. And that is Sarah. Are you ready, Denise? I'm ready. Let's call her, are you ready for this? The griper that God turned into a princess. Well, we know a lot about Abram and Sarah before they met God. They were from Ur of the Chaldees. And Ur of the Chaldees was a place where rich people lived. In fact, in recent archaeological excavations, what they have done at Ur of the Chaldees, they are just stunned at what they're finding. Maxim, you would really love this. They're unearthing palaces, 
riches beyond imagination. That is where Abram and Sarai were from. They were rich. They were living in the lap of luxury, and they were living very selfish, self-absorbed lives. They had no children. They were just living for themselves. But one day, Abram came home with a changed heart. Abram met God. He met God. His wife, Sarai, did not. And immediately, they have a marriage that is unequally yoked. You know, sometimes people get married and neither one of them are saved. So they're equally yoked because they're both lost. But then when one of them gets saved, it's two people living in the same house and they have different natures. They have different characters. They have a whole different system inside them. And they have to learn how to live together. Abram came home. His heart had been changed. He had met God. It transformed his life. But he had a wife who had not met God. And suddenly, their marriage was unequally yoked. And Denise, I'm thinking about how many times one spouse today gets saved and the other spouse is not saved. We have a man in our church in Moscow who got saved years and years and years ago and his wife has never been saved. And he's been trying to deal with that relationship all these years because she thinks he's a nut because he is so excited about Jesus. He loves his wife, but spiritually, they became unequally yoked the moment that he got saved. But hey, that does not give him the right to get divorced. That's his wife, and he loves her. But Abram came home changed. Sarah was not changed. And not only that, he announced that this God that she had never heard of and had never met told him to leave their palace, leave their country, leave their comfort, and go somewhere. But by the way, God didn't tell him exactly where to go. Well, the name Sarai just by itself already tells us something about her. It means complainer, griper, or a very unpleasant person. And it's interesting that the word Sarai is used in the Russian language. Next thing. Yeah, every time you say this word Sarai, I think of this Russian word. We use it often when we see a house poorly built, a house which is falling apart. We say it's just a Sarai. So every time you say Sarai, I smile. Sarai. Well, that's what she was. She was just a very unpleasant person. Physically, she was beautiful, but inwardly, she was just unpleasant. But that's who she was before God changed her heart. Her behavior was ugly. She was unsupportive. She was critical. I'm going to show this to you. She was very sarcastic. You know, sarcasm, it's toxic, and it can be so sharp. The tongue can be so sharp. I can't imagine what she was like. But we're told in Genesis 12, verse 1, that God told Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. But God did not speak to her, only to him. So can you imagine the talk they had when he came home that day? I can hear her say, and uh, what God spoke to you? Never heard of that God. What did he tell you to do? What? He told you to do what? This God that I have never heard of and nobody has ever heard of before has told us to do, excuse me, to do what? 
What? You're taking me from my house? You didn't even ask me my opinion. You're going to take me from my house? Hey, by the way, Abram, he didn't speak to me. He spoke to you. And that's why it's so interesting when you get to Genesis 12, 5. It says, Abram took Sarai, his wife, with him. It does not say she accompanied him. <laughs> he took her. And it implies that she was not cooperative. It may have been a real fight. It may have been against her will, but he took her. But the truth is, Abram as a man, even after he met God, made a lot of really big mistakes. If he made those kinds of mistakes after he met God, imagine the mistakes he made before he met God, and she had seen all those mistakes, it might have been difficult for her to trust him. Even after he met God, he committed adultery. He asked her to sleep with the Egyptian Pharaoh. He went to Egypt instead of staying in the land of promise. He slept with Hagar. He became the father of Ishmael, creating serious family problems that still exist to this very day. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So maybe Abram wasn't the easiest man to follow. And if you're listening and you're a man and you're a husband, I want to tell you, we need to do all we can to make it easy for our wives to follow us. It's hard to follow. It's hard to follow. And if your wife sees you being unstable and silly and doing ridiculous things, it makes it even harder to follow. We need to be stable. Every step needs to be secure. We need to demonstrate that our leadership can be trusted. I think what probably was hard for her to follow. These were two really messed up people when they met the Lord. But the Bible tells us in Genesis 17, verse 1, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, I am the Lord Almighty, walk before me and be thou perfect. Basically, God said, Okay, listen, I have chosen you. And I've been tolerating your unstable behavior for a lot of years. But now, you're old enough that it's time to get it straight. Walk thou before me and be thou perfect. God required him to come to a new standard. And this really changed his life. It changed his life. But Sarai was no joy to lead. She complained all the time. She was hard to get along with. She was a fighter. She was difficult every step of the way. She even laughed and was sarcastic with God. I'm going to show you. Genesis 18, verse 9. And they said unto him, these are the angels who are talking to Abraham, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. Verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife will have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind them, which means she was eavesdropping. Verse 11. Now Abram and Sarah were old and well stricken in years, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Verse 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord also being old, which basically meant, You've got to be kidding, we're going to have sex. You've got to be kidding, that hasn't happened in a long time. I'm old, he's old, and now we're going to have pleasure? I think it's funny. And in verse 13, And the Lord said unto Abraham, 
Wherefore did Sarah laugh? And friends, I want to tell you, God hears everything. You may think he doesn't know. He hears every thought. Sarah laughed, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Praise God, nothing is too hard for the Lord. <laughs> At the appointed time, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 15, listen to this. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh, I did not laugh, <laughs> for she was afraid. And the Lord said, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you didn't. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I mean, this is a hysterical conversation. But let me ask you, if she laughed at God, and if she was sarcastic with God, it was likely that she also at times laughed at her husband and was sarcastic with her husband. But then, Denise, something happened that changed it all. God touched her, and when God touched her heart, she was changed. In fact, she was so changed, God changed her name. Listen to this. God changed her name to Sarah, which means, what does it mean? Princess. Princess. God turned a griper into a princess. And over time, Sarah learned to submit to Abraham, who I believe was probably a very hard man to submit to. Oh, Lord Jesus, help husbands to be the kinds of husbands that they're easy to submit to. Men, we need to do all we can do to make it easier for our wives. And wives, you need to do everything you can do to be easy to lead. You know, sometimes wives say, it's just so hard to follow him. Well, have you ever thought you might be difficult to lead? And rather than focus on how our spouse needs to change, sometimes we need to look at ourselves to see how we need to change to work well in this situation. Is that true, Denise? Oh, that's very true. And the fact that you can't change your spouse. So if you sit around thinking about how they should change, you're wasting your time and your energy. But when you look at yourself and you say, you know, God, this isn't, I'm not exactly correct here and you start trying to change, well, then you're talking about some power. Because he, even if your spouse doesn't change, you can change. And you know what will happen with you? You become more peaceful. You become happier. You become healthier. Because you took responsibility for yourself. And you didn't point your finger at somebody else and say, if they would change, I'll change. That never works out. But it does work when we take responsibility for our own self. But submitting to Abraham probably wasn't easy. But listen, that is what God was asking Sarah to do. And leading Sarah was not easy either. But that is what God was asking Abraham to do. Both of these people were challenges. They were very dysfunctional in their marriage. And in fact, listen to how the Bible describes them in Isaiah 51, verses 1 through 2. Look unto the rock, whence ye are hewn. Look to the hole of the pit, which you are digged. And then explains what it is. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. Abraham is called a rock. 
and Sarah's called a pit. Now, let's just imagine Denise and I were talking to somebody, and they said, Rick, you are such a rock, and Denise, you are such a pit. <laughs> that is not exactly a compliment, but it really talks a lot about their relationship and who they were. But God turned these people into the mother and father of faith. Isn't that amazing, Denise? That's amazing. They learned to walk together, and together they became the father and mother of faith. But Rick, where do rocks come from? Pits. Rocks and pits. They go together. They go together. But let's go to 1 Peter 3, 3, where Peter refers to Sarah. And Peter is speaking to women. By the way, when Peter writes this, Peter has been married about 60 years, so he has a lot of experience with marriage. And he says to the women, you're adorning. Let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. He's not against looking nice. He just says, make sure your emphasis is in the right place. That's what he says in verse 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. Invest your main energy in your heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. It's amazing, Denise, that as we get old, older, gravity begins to work, and things which used to stand nicely, it doesn't matter what part of your body you're talking about, it begins to fall. You begin to change. But the heart is incorruptible. That's why sometimes you can meet the oldest, most beautiful, youthful person because they invested in their heart. That is the greatest gift we have to give to each other, whether you're a man or whether you are a woman. But the thing, I mean, I think Denise is beautiful. I think she gets prettier the older we get. But Denise's heart captured me in the beginning, and Denise's heart has captured me to this moment. It's her heart. It's the greatest gift Denise has to offer to me. And look at 1 Peter 3, verse 5, which is hysterical. Look at it. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. All right, who are we talking about? We're talking about people who lived like nomads. They didn't even have cosmetics. They took care of sheep and goats. We're talking about women that are wrinkled, their skin is like leather, and half their teeth are knocked out. And the husband looks at them and says, is she just not the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life? Well, it wasn't her teeth. What was it? They adorned themselves with their hearts. That's what the verse says. They adorned themselves being in subjection to their husbands. Those husbands felt the support of their wives into them. It made their wives the most beautiful people on the planet. And verse 3, verse 6 says, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him, what? Lord. Lord which means master. And the word obeyed depicts one who comes under authority. It's a compound of two words, the word hupokuo. And honestly, you have to understand this word to know what it means to obey because the word hupo describes being under. The word akuo means I hear. When you put the two words together, the word obeyed, the Greek word hupokuo, number one tells you you're in a subservient position. Secondly, it means you're listening. You can't obey if you're not listening, and you're not going to listen unless you know that you're in a position where you need to listen. And then you can carry it out. That's why we translate it, obey. She learned to get under her husband. That's what it means. 
and she learned to listen to him. She had to learn to call him Lord, and I think it probably was really a hard task. Yes, Denise. Well, I, you know, where it says that this uh, inside of this woman is a ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Well, in in my translation, it says it's very precious in the sight of God, and in teaching women for all these years and writing this book. I've come to understand that the sacrifice that women make to die to their own self, their own desire, their own flesh, their own selfishness, it is expensive. But when we're doing that, ladies, God is creating something so beautiful and incorruptible on the inside of us that when God looks at your heart, he says, oh, beautiful that is so precious in my sight and he knows the price you paid to get that kind of heart let's just pray father we thank you that you want to create that kind of heart in every one of us yes doesn't matter whether we live in a male body or a female body yes we want to have hearts that are precious and meek precious in your sight do that work in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're out of time. But tomorrow night, guys, we're going to talk about <laughs> Jezebel, and it's going to be a blast. It is, Rick. So go to bed and sleep well. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.